if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I know I said we were going to go to 1 Corinthians again, you know, the next chapter and verse last week. But uh, as I sat down to prepare this week, uh, God led me in a different direction. Uh, one, because we're having this, the child dedication, the children being dedicated this morning. And so God just directed me this week to, to take a break from 1 Corinthians and talk about uh, parenting. And so today's message is not just to Ariel and Cy, it's to all parents. All of us parents need to hear this message. This is an essential message to Scripture. This is one of the, the, the major texts, if you will, one of the important texts. All of the texts of Scripture are important, of course, but uh, this is one that you want to highlight in your Bible. Uh, this is, as Jesus says, uh, this, this passage that we're looking at today, it is the great commandment, is right here. And, and so we need to hear this, we need to pay attention to this as Christians, and as, especially as Christian parents. So parents, you need to hear this message today, and we as a church need to hear it. Because as we, as our parents of our church dedicate their children unto the Lord all of our church members, whether you're a parent or not, uh, you are committing to, to help them in, in raising their child, their children in love and obedience to the Lord. So today we're looking at that, raising kids to love and obey God. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Now, if you don't have a Bible, I skipped this a while ago. If you don't have a Bible, you can turn in the Pew Bible to page 141. The Pew Bible there, it's on page 141 in Pew Bible. And if you do not have a Bible, then we invite you to take that Pew Bible with you. And that's our gift to you because we want everybody to have a copy of God's Word. So please take that and, and keep it and read it. Martin Luther once said, If ever the church is to flourish again, one must begin by instructing the young if ever the church is to flourish again, one must begin by instructing the young, by teaching the young. We know this, right? This is obvious. This is the, our, our future are our children. Whether it be the church or the nation, the future is, it belongs to our children. Well, the American church is certainly not flourishing today, is it? And a major reason that we're seeing a decline in the American church is because so many parents have been more interested in raising their kids to play ball, to dance, to hunt, to fish, to do all of these other activities, and they have neglected raising their children to love and obey God. We parents are to blame. We're to blame. Therefore, kids grow up, and they leave home. And when they leave home, they leave the church. Because at home, they were taught the most important thing was ball, dance, and all of these other outside activities. They were taught that God was just a, another little thing to add on to your week. So today we see, according to the Pew Research Center, from 2009 to 2019, that's just 10 years, Americans who identify as Christians decreased from 77% in 2009 
to 65% in 2019. It drops 12% in just 10 years. That means people have dropped out of church, dropped away from the church, left the church 1% per year, over 1% per year over the past decade. Those that identify as atheists, agnostics, or non-religious, they're just nons, has risen from 17% in 2009 to 26% in 2019. We're going the wrong direction. We're going the wrong direction because we're allowing other people to raise up our children, to fill our children's heads with worldly, secular thoughts, secular ideas, instead of Christian parents raising their children to fear and obey God. Something needs to change, friends. But change will only occur when parents commit to raising their children to love and obey God. That's the key. Parents must commit to raise their children to love and obey God. So parents, today, commit to do what is necessary to raise your children, to raise your kids to love and obey God. Make that commitment today. Commit to doing whatever is necessary. If you need to, to cancel some things out of your life, right? Get rid of some things. If you need to change your schedule, whatever you need to do, commit today to doing whatever is necessary to raise your children to love and obey God. Deuteron Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. Here God is concerned about the Israelites passing their faith to their children now in deuteronomy the exodus has already occurred so uh, god has already saved the israelites from bondage in egypt he has brought them through the wilderness the first generation of the israelites they they failed to follow god and so god took them through the wilderness for 40 years until all of them died off now their children are coming up They've seen the hand of the Lord work in their lives, and they're ready to go. They're ready to follow, and they're going to be the ones who go into the land and conquer it with the Lord going before them because they have faith that God will do it for them. They have faith that God will give them the land just as he promised them. But God is concerned because what happens so often in, in the people of God is there's this one generation that comes up strong in the Lord, but then they forget to pass the faith down to their children. And so God is giving them the necessary steps. Here's what you've got to do. If you want to pass the faith along to your children, here is what you have to do. So he, he gives us, he delivers to us three essential commitments that parents must make in order to raise their kids to love and obey God. And so we're going to see those three essential commitments today, and I hope that parents, whether you have kids at home now or you have grandkids who come to visit or, or whatever, right? You're still involved in your kids' lives. So make that commitment to do whatever to be an influence in your children and your grandchildren's lives so that you see them grow up to love and obey God. 
So if you found your place there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's Word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Now some of you are remembering that I just preached on this passage of scripture not too long ago. In fact, right there around the first of the year, we talked about loving God. And one of the ways that we demonstrate our love for God is through a love for his word. And so I preached a whole message on this text then. And today I'm going to preach a whole completely different message on this same text today. Some of the same themes, but the, the, you know, that's just the, the richness of God's word, isn't it? It just keeps speaking to us. It keeps teaching us different things as we look at different elements of, of just the same text. So as we look at this today, we're, we're looking at parenting. And for parents, the first commitment you must make in order to raise your kids to love and obey God is most essential. This, this one is most essential. You're lost if you can't do this one. If you don't do this one, you must model love and obedience to God. That's where it begins. You must model love and obedience to God. You've got to model it. Right? You've got to demonstrate it to your kids through your daily activities, what you do. Now, I can remember growing up and coming up as a teenager and learning to drive, and, and for years after learning to drive, I would drive like this, you know, Hand up on the steering wheel. And when I go down the road, I, I just always, it's, it was just automatic. I would, every car to come by, I'd wave, right? Just throw up those two fingers, wave at every one of them. And one time I, I kind of started wondering, why, why do I wave at everybody? I don't know all these people. But it was my dad. My dad was sheriff. And, and so my dad is sheriff, and, and probably uh, Sheriff Tubbs probably does the same thing. You see him drive down the road, he probably waves too because that's a politician, right? He waves at people. He, he lets them know that, hey, I see you. Hey, how are you doing? He wants to be seen as friendly in the community. And my dad, he, he did that. He, he drove with that hand up on the wheel, and every car he passed by, he waved at them because he wanted to let them know that, hey, he was their friend. He cared about them. Right? He was looking out for him, And I just learned that from my dad. I picked it up from my dad. And so still today, sometimes when I'm driving down these country roads, man, I got my hand up there and I just catch myself. I'll be waving at people. I don't even know who they are. I kind of broke myself from that living out in Dallas, you know, being out on the, the six-lane freeways out there. You, you, don't, you just can't wave at everybody. But uh, uh, I still catch myself driving down these two-lane roads waving at people. 
because my dad modeled that to me and I picked it up from him. How many habits have you picked up from your parents just modeling what they do? That's how we learn, right? That's the first way that we learn, by modeling those who are in our lives. And so parents, you have to model love and obedience to God. If you want your children to learn to love and obey God, you've got to model that love and obedience to God. You've got to model it for them. You have to model love. You have to model love for God. That's what he says here in this text. Now, this, uh, excuse me, here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. You shall love the Lord with all of your being, with every ounce of your soul, every ounce of your being. You shall love the Lord your God with everything. Now, we need to understand that this love for God is founded on grace. It is founded on God's grace, his love for us. 1 John chapter, uh, John chapter what is that, 14, 15. No, John 14, 15. Uh, if you love, wait a minute, that's the wrong one. Where is it? I didn't write it down. Anyway. There's that verse that says, uh, we love, right? Because God first loved us. He first loved us. He, he loved us, and he sent his son to die for us. We see that even in this text with the Israelites. God loved them, right? Their whole relationship was, with God was founded upon God's grace and his love for them. He says here, O Israel, the Lord, our God. That's an important word right there. Our God. He is our God. He's not just a God. The Lord, the God. Uh, no, he's our God. How did he become our God? Well, we're kind of jumping in the middle here, but if we turn back just a chapter there, chapter 5, verse, um, verse 1, uh, verse 6, chapter 5, verse 6. We see the, the foundation of Israel's relationship with God right here. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You see, there was Israel in Egypt in bondage to, to Pharaoh. They didn't have a God, right? They, they didn't have anything. They, they were in bondage and God saw them. And he loved them. He says, you're my people. And he brought them out of Israel, or out of Egypt, to bring them into the land of Canaan. He made them his people. He sought them. He loved them. And we need to understand that our love for God is based upon his love for us. He first loved us. And sent his son Jesus Christ to save us from slavery to sin. We can only love because he loved us. We can never love God. We can never pursue God unless he first pursues us. He loves us and pursues us. It's because of his grace that we can love. You need to understand that, friend. You didn't just decide to love God. God loved you first. And he sent his son to die for you. 
to live, to die, to be raised again for you and your salvation so that you could have that relationship with him. It's by God's grace through faith in Jesus that we begin to model love for God. Then once we come into that relationship, once God reaches out to us, once he changes our heart, then we love him. And we begin to pursue him with all of our being. Our love for God is founded on God's love for us, his grace for us. We receive his grace through faith in Christ. Saving faith is loving faith. It realizes who God is. It realizes what God has done for us. And we love God. We love Him. Saving faith is loving faith. Saving faith is also obedient faith. John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Part of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength is, is to obey Him, to live for Him. So we not only model love, we model obedience to our children. Verse 6, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. God's word, these words, God's word, His law, His, his word to His people, this word shall be on your heart. Now, for the Israelites, we think of heart, when we think of the heart, we think of emotions, right? We, we, the heart is the seat of emotion in, in English mindset. But in a Hebrew mindset, it, it was the seat of emotion, but it was also, more so, the seat of the will, the desire. And so what Moses is saying here, that the word that I command you today shall be on your heart, it's what shall drive your will it's what's going to drive your desire. You live by God's Word. You don't allow the flesh to drive your desire. You, you look to God's Word to drive your desires, your wants in life. That means we obey God. We look to God. We obey God. We want to live for God. We live in obedience to God. And understand to live in obedience to God's word, to his law, to his word, is not supposed to be like punishment for us. You know, that's the way humans look at it. it this is punishment. What do you mean? I can't do this. I can't do that. That's punishment. I want to go do that. I want to go do this. I want to live like that. But God knows that's not what's good for you. God knows that's, what, not, what, that's not what's good for you. He doesn't want you to live in sexual immorality because sexual immorality is not good for you. You can't have a happy, blessed life living in sin. He, don't, he doesn't want drunkenness for you because he knows drunkenness is not what's good for you. It will destroy you in the end. God gives us his commandments because he loves us and he wants what is good for us. And if we obey his word, if we live by his word, oh man, we realize his blessings. 
in every aspect of our lives. God's Word should be on our heart. It should drive us to live the way we live. Again, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. James 2, 26 takes it even further. For as the body apart from the Spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Let me just tell you something. Let me enlighten you. Saving faith is obedient faith. Saving faith is obedient faith, as James says there. Faith without works, faith without obedience is dead faith. It's useless faith. It's not faith. Let me be absolutely clear. Dear friend, parent or non-parent, wherever your place in life may be, if you are happy in your sin, if, you have, if there is no remorse over wrongdoing, if there is no mourning over your depravity, then you, my friend, are not a Christian. You're not saved. Period. If you can skip along in your sin... Right? There's a lot of confusion about this because people think, but I said that prayer in Bible school. And they're basing their whole eternity on that little prayer they said in Bible school or in Sunday school or wherever. They're basing their whole eternity. I was baptized. I was dunked in the water. The preacher dunked me and said those words. A prayer and being dunked in the baptism uh, in the baptistry it is not salvation. It does not save you. We are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But saving faith is obedient faith. Saving faith says, "I trust you, God. I trust you. You sent." Christ to die for me, I trust you, and I'm going to live for you. I'm going to follow you. I'm turning away from this life of sin, and I'm turning to you to follow your way. Imperfect? Yes. Right? We're, we still sin. We're still caught up in these sinful bodies, and we still, we still make mistakes. But a Christian... His or her desires have been changed. Their desires have been changed. So when they sin, there's remorse. God, that was wrong. That was wrong. There's sorrow. There's hurt. If you can skip happily along living in sin, you're not saved. You're not saved. Faith without obedience it's dead. It's not faith. So I beg you, I plead.
plead with you today. If that's you, if you're, you're walking through life, you're living in sin, you know you're living in sin, and you're happy in your sin, and you're thinking that I'm good because I said a prayer, I'm good because I was, I was baptized, I'm good because my name is on some roll somewhere. If that's your thought, repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn to Christ. He will save you. He will transform you. He will make you new. And the only way you're going to model love and obedience for your children is by first trusting in Jesus and surrendering your life to him. When you love him and you obey him, then you give your children something to model. Turn to Jesus. Trust in Christ. Surrender yourself to him today. Parents, if you want to raise your children to love and obey God, you must, first of all, model love and obedience for your children. Second, if you're going to raise your kids to love and obey, you must commit to teach kids to love and obey God's Word. You must commit to teach your children to love and obey God's Word. First, you teach them diligently. Look at verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. That's these words, right? The, the word, the, the Bible. What Moses had at this point were the, 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 was the law. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, uh, Leviticus, I'm I skipped over Leviticus, but he wrote those first five books of the Bible, and he gave that to the Israelites, and he says, these words, that's the words, right? His written word that he had passed down to the Israelites. He, he gave it into the hands of the teachers, and, and they were to teach the law, to teach the word of God to the rest of the Israelites. And now he turns to the parents, to all of the Israelites, and he says, teach these words diligently to your children. Teach them. Teach my word to your children. You shall teach them diligently. This word here means to speak or to recite repeatedly. There's actual teaching going on here. Right? There's teaching. Teach them diligently. I'm reminded of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, first, uh, chapter 1, verse 5. Paul talking to Timothy, his disciple. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So here, Timothy's grandmother and his mother have passed down. They've taught diligently their faith to Timothy. If this isn't clear enough, Paul tells, uh, says later on in chapter 3, verse 14, but as for you, Timothy... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So mama and grandma sat down with Timothy and they taught him their faith. They taught him diligently the sacred writings. They taught him diligently 
Scripture, God's Word. Now, here's where the church comes in and helps parents, right? We, we come in and we help parents with this aspect of teaching because we have, we have our life groups. We have children's activities, other children gatherings where, where we have teachers who teach them. And hopefully there's, there's always something coming home with the kids, right? Here's what we learned today. Here's some things to recite. Here's some, some verses to, to memorize. And so you take that and, and you begin to teach your children. You, you help your children learn these things. But you don't just stop there, right? You, you take other opportunities to teach Scripture to your kids. That's your responsibility. That's first and foremost your responsibility. The church is here to help in that. We're here to support you in that, to build you up in that. But, but too many people have thought in the past, well, that's the church's job. The church, the church is supposed to teach my kids the Bible. I do the fun things, right? I just do everything else. I've got other things I've got to do. So I, the church can teach them. But the church only gets your kids, what, two or three hours a week? How many hours do you have them? You need to teach your kids. Teach them diligently the Word of God. Not only should you teach them diligently, but you should discuss consistently or constantly. Discuss constantly. Discuss God's Word with them constantly. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. In other words, what Moses is saying there, that daily activities, right? When you get up in the morning, before you go to bed at night, as you're walking out, as you're driving around, as you're, you're doing the things of the day, when you're with your children, discuss the Word of God. Talk to them about the Word of God. Not just, not just the, the, all right, let's sit down and memorize this verse, but, but every day as you're going in your daily life, find ways to talk to your children about God and the things of God. You know, some of our best Bible discussions have been on road trips, just driving down the road. A song comes on or, 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 or something comes up, just a, a subject comes up, and, and we talk about it and we begin, oh, well, what is God's word? How's God's word address this issue Here's a problem in the world. What does God's word say about this? And we've had our best discussions in the car driving down the road. Sometimes at dinner, just, just talking about daily events. Just something comes up. Well, what does God say about this? How, how should we respond to this? How should we think about this issue in relation to what God's word says about this issue? And so just finding ways to have these gospel conversations with your kids. Discuss Scripture with them constantly. Parents, if you want your kids to love and obey God, you must invest time and energy to teach them to love and obey God. The church can assist in this area, but the ultimate responsibility is yours. Teach your children to love and obey God. So if you're going to raise your kids to love and obey God, you must commit to model love and obedience. You must teach love and obedience. And third, you must commit to create an environment that cultivates love and obedience to God. You must create an environment in your home that cultivates, a lo cultivates love and obedience to God. You know, we are, by and large, visual learners. 
We are, by and large, visual learners. We, we learn by sight. That's, that's the first way that we learn. We see that in, in modeling, right? But we also see this in other ways. The church caught on to this early on. That's why in a lot of your old traditional churches, uh, you, you have the gospel depicted in pictures and, and stained glass windows and different things around the church because especially in you know old days before everybody knew how to read and write uh, a lot of people learned by seeing pictures and so they had pictures on the walls that depicted the story of the gospel secular culture gets this that's why you see lots of colors and a light flashing on the TV screen to get your attention, to draw you in, to buy that product. Your visual things catch your eye. God understands that too. He understands that as well. That's why he tells the Israelites here, verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. That is, that was jewelry, that kind of like jewelry that they wore that reminded them of the Ten Commandments primarily. Right? It, it reminded them of God's word, these jewelry attire that they wore. Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. It should be all around you in your environment. It should be all around you in your environment. You, you should create an environment where your children can learn to love and obey God. That means in your decor. That's what he's getting at here in, in many ways. The core around your house. What, do you have, what kind of pictures you have hanging on the wall? I'm not saying you have to go out and get a picture of Jesus. We don't know what Jesus looked like, so um, you don't have to have a picture of Jesus on the wall, whatever. But uh, what about having Scripture hanging around your house? Maybe some essential verses, some important verses, or, or maybe your life verse. Uh, finding a picture and hanging that up and having it around your house so that when you, you walk around your house, hey, there's God's Word. I'm surrounded by God's Word. God's Word is speaking to me, even in the house. How about your entertainment? Ooh. Entertainment. What is the entertainment? What are the things that you're allowing coming into your house through the television and other radio and everything else? What, what is that teaching your children? Is it teaching your children to love and obey God or is it teaching your children to love the world and the things of the world? What about other influencers? Other influencers, people who you allow coming into your house. Who are you, are you allowing to hang around your children and be an influence on them, teaching them how to talk, how to think, how to live? Are there people with good Christian values or not? People with worldly values. Now, I know sometimes we, we, we do that, right? We invite people into our house out of a, we, we want to witness to them. We've done that before. We've invited people in our house who were not, they were not Christians. They had bad mouths, right? They, they, they cussed and they said words that I didn't want, really want my daughter hearing. But there was a gospel 
uh, you know, there was a gospel purpose in that. So we invited them into our house to have a meal and, and afterwards or before and afterwards we, we sat down and talked with Gabby. Now, this kind of language is not good, right? We, we don't approve of this, but here's the purpose of why we are doing that. There was that gospel conversation coming in, right? Here, we're, we're allowing this to come in our house because we want to be a light of the gospel. But, but who we allow in our house on a daily basis, we want godly influence. We want people in our child's life who, who will be a godly influence. Not a secular, not a worldly, not a sinful influence upon her. So create an environment. If you want your children to love and obey God, you've got to create an environment around them, not just shelter them. I know that they've got to get out into the world. They've got to experience some things, right? It's going to be out there. It's all around them. And so you have those talks with them, showing them what's right, showing them what's wrong according to God's word. You don't shelter them, but at the same time, we do shelter some. We don't just allow my, I don't just allow my child when she was three years old to be bulldozed by the sinful things of this world. As they're ready, they've got to be, they've got to come face to face with that stuff. But you don't allow that constantly. Yes, you, you, you shelter them from some things, at least for a while. So they're old enough, mature enough to handle it and make good decisions. What are you allowing to influence your children? You know, a plant is most likely to produce fruit when the ground about it is cultivated and fertilized. So it is with our children. They're most likely to produce fruits of righteousness. When we provide an environment that teaches them to love and obey God. Parents, it all starts with you. It all starts with you. You're the first influencers on your child's life. You're the one that they're going to model as they grow up. You're the one that's going to teach them the things that they do and continue to do in life. You control their environment. It starts with you. Commit to do what is necessary to raise your kids to love and obey God. Model love and obedience. Teach love and obedience. Create an environment of love and obedience so that your children may grow strong in the Lord. And bring glory and honor to his kingdom. And of course we know that that commitment begins by committing your life first and foremost to Jesus Christ. And that's my invitation to anyone today. Parent or not. If you've never trusted in Jesus today, turn to him. He lived, died, and was raised again so that you might be saved. Will you surrender your life to him today? Oh, Heavenly Father, 
Lord, we thank you for our children. Lord, you have given them to us as a stewardship to raise up, to cultivate, to teach so that they may honor and glorify your name. Oh, Father, we recognize our shortcomings. Certainly, certainly we do. We are not without sin. We have our failings, and there's no such thing as a perfect parent. You, Lord God, are the only perfect parent. Oh, but Lord, we ask as parents in this place, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles, Lord, whatever children you may have put in our life and whatever relationship they may be there, Lord, help us to demonstrate your love for them by raising them to love and obey you and your word. And Lord, if there's any today who've never trusted in Jesus, never given their life to Jesus Christ, Lord, my prayer is that they would turn to Christ today, trust in him, and receive your salvation in him. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.